Welcome to Siri Fast Five. I'm Carly Iacono, and tonight's topic is enclosed malls. It's time to quantify the overused headline that malls are dying and drill down a little more into what is really happening. First, there is a very important distinction between Class A, B, and C malls. Much of the available data is tied to the top tier malls because these are owned by the largest operators, such as Simon and Brookfield. There are about 250 Class A malls in the United States, which represents about a quarter of America's roughly 1,000 shopping malls in total. Now, the sales per square foot vary significantly based on the mall class. According to CNBC, Class A malls bring in about $750 in sales per square foot on average. Now, you compare that with the outlier Class A++ mall at $1,100 a square foot, B malls drop down to $425 and C malls at about $250 in sales per square foot. So the sales on uh, the spread on sales per square foot has definitely widened over the last year and many class A malls are actually faring very well. Here are the top five most valuable class A malls pre pandemic based on the tenants combined sales. Number five, Woodbury Commons in Central Valley, New York, which is owned by Simon and had annual sales in 2019 of 1.3 billion. Woodbury Commons is a premium outlet mall about 45 minutes north of NYC and is the top outlet mall in the nation. Number four on the overall mall ranking list is the Aventura Mall in Aventura, Florida. This asset is owned by Simon and Turnberry Associates and both sales of 1.35 billion annually. Number three on the list is the King of Prussia Mall in King of Prussia, PA, also owned by Simon and has sales of 1.37 billion. Number two on the list is Ala Moana Center in Honolulu, Hawaii, which is owned by Brookfield and Australian Super with sales of 1.64 billion. And number one on the list pre-pandemic is Sawgrass Mills in Sunrise, Florida, which not surprisingly is also owned by Simon and has whopping annual sales of 1.81 billion. Now, obviously a lot has changed in the last year and full reporting and analysis of 2020 is not widely available yet. However, these are the malls that went into the pandemic with outstanding foundations. Now you could argue that these top malls are outliers and don't represent the rest of the mall sector, which is true to some degree. In fact, CoreSite Research has estimated that 25% of America's roughly 1,000 malls will close entirely by 2025. Class C malls have been hit the hardest. The average value on troubled mall assets with CMBS debt is down 60% since the start of the pandemic because payment delinquencies or foreclosures triggered new appraisals which wiped out 7.9 billion in value from the 77 malls which went to special servicers. Often as one or two department stores in a mall close, that triggers a wave of closures by other businesses within the mall, leaving the owner no choice but to look for new uses or to get rid of the property entirely. So if a mall is no longer meeting the needs of the surrounding community, what are landlords to do? There are a few options and the answer largely depends on the individual asset and the market demographics. The first option is to completely repurpose the property. There are a few examples of entire malls becoming e-commerce warehouses to meet, of course, retailers rising demand for industrial space. 
Amazon, of course, for example, opened a distribution facility in Randall Park Mall in North Randall, Ohio. It's also completely taken over Euclid Square Mall in Euclid, Ohio. So I expect that we'll see more B and C class malls be completely repurposed. Although converting a dying mall to a shiny new Amazon distribution center sounds like a huge win for the property owner, it's not as easy as it sounds. Zoning, access, approvals, high build-out costs, etc., are only some of the challenges in conversions, which is why some lord, landlords opt to sell at a discount instead of redevelop themselves. It's a tough choice, but it's really difficult to undergo that sort of redevelopment. The second option is to consider less traditional uses for the anchor spaces and a revised tenant mix. Inside a mall, for example, in Burlington, Vermont, kids are now attending high school in what used to be a Macy's department store. So it's complete with a library full of backlit shelves that used to be a display area for shoes and escalators to go between classes, crazy. So clearly repurposing malls can mean more than just demolishing them and building industrial. Some landlords are turning excess square footage and sometimes even excess parking fields into hotels, gyms, office buildings, NHL skating rinks, and multifamily residences within or attached to the malls themselves. Clinics, churches, and grocery stores are even becoming viable mall tenants as well. So the reality is that the live, work, play, mixed use concept is still relevant. And malls often have a lot of acreage with fairly dense demographics, so it can work nicely in some cases. A great example of a mixed use strategy is Phillips Plaza right outside Atlanta. Simon is adding 9,000 square feet of lifetime fitness amenities with a rooftop pool and 46,000 square feet of food hall space, an outdoor event space, a Nobu hotel, and a 13-story office building. So if the location does not lend itself to mixed-use development, a third option is to focus heavily on entertainment and less on shopping. American Dream in New Jersey is a perfect example of this. The 3 million square foot complex was set to open much of its retail March 19th of 2020, and the entire complex shut down due to COVID-related restrictions just days before the grand opening. Now, more than a year later, it's the entertainment that is fully open and drawing in increasing crowds each week. The indoor ski slope, the Nickelodeon-themed amusement park, the record-setting indoor water park. Now, there are shops open as well, but it's the entertainment that is the focus. So whether we're talking about retail to industrial, retail to mixed use, or retail to better, more interesting retail, the change for American malls is already underway. And in most cases, I believe the outcome for consumers will be more enjoyable places to shop and more relevant spaces in our communities. That was CRE Fast Five. I'm Carly Iacona. I'll see you next week.